After today, there are only five more Saturdays left in the year 2021. How many more Saturday editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement will there be this year? The answer can be counted on one hand, but no bets will be taken, as there is no competition intended in any installment of this program, now until I finish producing them. The I in question here is Sean Tubbs, the host and producer of every installment. Let's get to this one. On today's program, the CDC and the FDA have approved booster shots for all adult Americans for COVID. The city fills one position while another becomes vacant. The Virginia Supreme Court appoints two special masters to complete the redistricting process. And members of the Crozet Community Advisory Committee debrief after supervisors adopt a master plan update. Let's begin today with a Patreon-fueled shout-out. Charlottesville 350 is the local chapter of a national organization that seeks to reduce dependence on fossil fuels. Charlottesville 350 uses online campaigns, grassroots organizing, and mass public actions to oppose new coal, oil, and gas projects, and build 100% clean energy solutions that work for all. To learn more about their most active campaigns, including a petition drive at the Richmond Federal Reserve Bank, visit their Facebook page at facebook.com slash 350 As the week ended, the percent positivity creeped up slightly to 5.8% on Friday, as reported by the Virginia Department of Health. The seven-day average rose to 1,518 new cases a day. Nearly a million Virginians have received a third dose or a booster shot. The seven-day average for doses administered a day was 40,389 on Friday. Also on Friday, the Food and Drug Administration authorized the use of the Moderna and Pfizer booster shots for all adults, and the Centers for Disease Control followed suit later in the day. Dr. Kosti Safri is Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System, and he said this means anyone who completed their two-dose cycle of Pfizer or Moderna can now get a booster dose. Uh, we're at a point right now where that uh, is going to start including a fair number of people. It's clear that boosters are, are really beneficial in boosting up the levels of antibodies. Dr. Sifri said there are an increasing number of breakthrough cases in people who were vaccinated over six months ago. Some of these cases have resulted in hospitalizations, and Dr. Sifri recommended that those at higher risk should schedule their booster now. I really strongly encourage those people to, to um, um, get a booster, especially as we head into the holiday season and, um, um, and as we're starting to see increasing rates of COVID in, in, in the nation as well as in our community. Dr. Sifri said others should consider getting the third dose, especially if they want to avoid contracting COVID. It hasn't been much of a rush. So right now, we understand about 16% of people in our health district who are eligible for um, a booster vaccine is rec have, has received one. Dr. Reed Adams is the chief medical officer at UVA Health. His recommendation is a little more sharp. I think the time is now. Um, we have gotten down to a lower rate in Virginia, but certainly not low enough. If you look around the country, particularly in the Midwest and the Upper Plains, we're really seeing a surge again. So ideally, folks would get their booster now before that happens here. People who want to schedule a booster dose or get vaccinated for the first time can do so at vaccinate.virginia.gov. There are plenty of appointments and shots. 
Um, so we have not seen long um, waits for um, booster doses um, 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 here at the medical center. Those are available. In addition, there's um, um, the availability of getting booster vaccines through um, through local pharmacies and through the Blue Ridge Health District. Since November 6th, over 4,674 children between the ages of 5 and 11 have been vaccinated, or around 25% of the eligible population. Today marks nine years since Sage Smith disappeared, having last been seen in the 500 block of West Main Street on November 20, 2012. The Charlottesville Police Department put out a release this morning stating that they are still seeking the whereabouts of Eric McFadden, calling him a critical person of interest in the case. The two had been expected to meet the night of November 20, 2012, but Smith has not been heard from since. McFadden is believed to have left town rather than speak to the police. Here's a bit from the release. Smith was a beloved family member and friend to many in the Charlottesville and LGBTQ plus communities. Although nine years have passed, CPD is hopeful that with the help of the media and continued public interest, we can finally solve this case and bring closure to a family and community that continues to experience anguish. A missing persons report was filed for McFadden in June of 2019, but multiple leads have not turned up any further developments. For more information, take a look at the release. The city has hired a minority business development coordinator. Joni Wynn Floyd will take the position within the city's economic development department. The minority business program was created in 2018 to assist qualified businesses with one-on-one -on -one business consulting, startup assistance, and help registering to be vendors for state and local government. Here's a section from the intake form on the city's website. The program is focused on increasing the number of minority and woman-owned businesses that are registered vendors with the city and to encourage more city spending with such businesses. Wynn Floyd has worked with the Latino Student Alliance and the Diversity Awareness Program Board. Earlier this month, the city's tree commission learned of the resignation of Mike Ronane, the city's former urban forester. Ronane served in that position for five years, and the job has not yet been advertised on the Charlottesville Jobs Board as of Friday afternoon. At that November 2nd meeting, Tree Commission Chair Brian Menard said the city must demonstrate support for urban forestry. We need to, we need to have more resources, not just financially, which we talk about, we'll talk about later, but we need more resources in terms of, of hands that can do this work and that can support this work. And again, we recognize that this has not been uh, an ordinary 18 months, but even before then, uh, it was clear that there's just a lot that's put essentially on one person. The Virginia Supreme Court has appointed two special masters to complete the process of redistricting maps for the General Assembly and the U.S. House of Representatives. Sean P. Trend and Bernard F. Gruffman are the selected candidates. Here's a section from the appointment order made on Friday. Though each was nominated by legislative leaders of a particular political party, the nominees shall serve as officers of the court in a quasi-judicial capacity. The pair will work on a single map and have 30 days to complete their work. According to the order, Trend and Grofman must resolve differences in good faith and are not permitted to consult with anyone except for designated staff at the Supreme Court 
and the Virginia Division of Legislative Services. They are directed to take into account the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, as well as the Voting Rights Act. In short, the court expects to receive from its special masters redistricting maps that have been drafted using factors that are fully compliant with constitutional and statutory law applied in an apolitical and nonpartisan matter. Trend was nominated by Republicans and is a senior elections analyst at Real Clear Politics. Grofman is a political science professor at the University of California at Irvine. You can read more at the Virginia Mercury. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for the second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. Now it's time for our long and last segment of the day. A month has passed since the Albemarle Board of Supervisors adopted an update of the Crozet Master Plan, with some of the items over the wishes of some members of the Crozet Community Advisory Committee. For a good summary of what happened on October 20th, read Allison Rabel's story in the October 21st Daily Progress, or Lisa Martin's story in the November 5th Crozet Gazette. On November 10th, the Crozet CAC had the opportunity to talk about the plan. Chair Ali Pesh didn't have anything prepared, and neither had planning manager Rachel Falkenstein. The Albemarle Planning Commission had recommended removing the middle-density residential designation from a portion of downtown Crozet, but there were four votes on the Board of Supervisors to move forward with that section in. Whitehall District Supervisor Ann Malik ended up voting with that majority on the eventual 5-1 to one vote in support of the plan's update. Outgoing Supervisor Liz Palmer was the vote against. I should have done it differently. I should have made the motion that I was going to make that adopted the Planning Commission's route. And then if that had been voted down, it would have been much more clear to the membership in the community what was going on. I failed to do that due to logistics with Zoom and not thinking fast enough, as others were very much trying to take over the process. Meetings in Albemarle are still virtual due to the pandemic, and Malik said the logistics of getting that motion moved forward were difficult to accomplish over Zoom. She acknowledged that many landowners in Crozet are concerned about the increased density. Many CAC members thought their concerns were too easily dismissed. Here's Brian Day. I found a fair amount of pretty serious community input ignored at points. Um, and I feel that ever since the state abolished the ability to negotiate proffers, um, developers kind of trump most of the decisions. Day referred to legislation in 2016 that rendered invalid an Albemarle policy that required a cash payment from developers for every new unit authorized by a rezoning. Proffers are still legal if they are deemed reasonable and directly contribute to the direct impact of a development. However, the 2016 legislation ushered a cooling-off point 
where localities were hesitant to even discuss the issue. This past week, though, representatives of Graystar Development said they would said at a community meeting that they will pay a proportional amount towards upgrades on Old Ivy Road. Michael Monaco, a new member of the CAC, said he felt public input had to be broadened in range. He said Crozet needs more housing and more entry-level jobs so young people can stay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think any, any process that's guided mostly by homeowners is going to be guided mostly by the financial interests of homeowners, um, consciously or not. And so any, any attempt to counterbalance that, I think, would be, would be wise. Costas Alabertis is on his second term on the CAC. I think the struggle and the challenge that we had here was the vision of the county versus the vision of the community. And I think we'll always have that unless there's some delineation of where those lines are. Um, And I think that's what has led to all of this frustration. Sean Bird said the process was hurt by a lack of in-person community engagement meetings due to the pandemic. I felt if you remember those meetings we had at the high school, I thought there was really strong turnout. I thought there were people energized by the process. Um, We had a certain momentum behind it. Diverse. I, I saw new people coming out to those things. And then COVID hit, right? And we had to all jump on our computers, and it just changed the whole whole dynamic. During this process, the CAC took votes at certain points, and one of them indicated a majority were not in favor of the middle-density residential category. Those votes are not binding and are only symbolic, but Byrd defended the practice, as well as a 2017 survey, which you can see in the Crozet Gazette. I think the powers that be need to know, was this issue seen 13 to 2 or 8 to 7 um, by the CCAC. So I think you need to quantify to some degree where the citizens fall on particular issues. In my mind, that's what makes a survey much more powerful to some degree than anecdotal one-offs by people who have the time to jump on these calls and may have the loudest voices. Chair Ali Pesh said the master plan update was a revision and not a rewrite. She said an analysis of the update should look at whether existing goals are being met. We've wanted to increase affordable housing for a while. And like so and then the solution seemed to be just to increase density and not really look at at how that has or hasn't worked in the in the existing plan. Mark McKenney is in his first term on the CAC, and he said many are concerned that Albemarle has not made the investments to support that density. There's been massive growth in Crozet over the last two decades. Population went from 2,200 in 2000 to 5,500 in 2010 to 95, 9,200 a decade later. And if the as we gear up in the next five years for, you know, five to 10 years for the next master plan, if if we if we not just we CCAC members but but county if we cannot show citizens what's actually been delivered from an infrastructure perspective, I guarantee you there will be a complete loss in faith by citizens to the county that they have their best interests at heart to provide sidewalks and road repairs and bridges. Some of the current projects in the planning process are. million in improvement to the square 
anticipated to be completed in May of 2023. Over $21 million for the expansion of Crozet Elementary School, expected to be completed in August of 2022. Sidewalk improvements on US 250 West from Cory Farms to Cloverlawn. A revenue-sharing application was submitted to the Virginia Department of Transportation on October 1st for work to complete Eastern Avenue across Lickinghole Creek to Cory Farms Road. And improvements at the intersection of Crozet Avenue and US 250 West are being considered for smart-scale recommendations in 2022. The adoption of the Crozet Master Plan happened just before the first phase of the county's comprehensive plan review got underway. A public kickoff meeting will take place in January. Supervisor Malik urged members of the CAC to become engaged in that process to ensure that Crozet's voice can be heard. While people may feel discouraged about particular outcomes in our process, we all need to be keeping our eyes on this other prize going forward because from natural resource planning to historic preservation to climate change to slews of things, that is the, the core book that the board and the staff refer to. And this is our chance now to make sure that our, that our local words are maintained. One of the items that will be discussed first during the comp plan review will be the county's growth management policy. And that's it for this Saturday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you to everybody who is listening and reading it. And thank you to those who are forwarding it on to somebody else. Um, there's a mix of stories every single time, which hopefully gives you a sense of some of the things that are going on and hopefully following up as often as I can so you can begin to see how all the pieces fit together or don't fit together. One thing that does fit so nicely well together is the poetic form of the limerick. And I have a Another limerick that is here to thank Ting for their support. If you pay for a subscription to Charlottesville Community Engagement through Substack, Ting will match your first amount, whether that be $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year. That is something that Ting will match, and of course that allows me to continue to keep a roof over my head and keep the heat on in these cold times. And, uh, you know, right now we have another limerick. This one comes from Facebook friend Becca Saxon, who states, There once was a reporter named Sean who needed a check to go on. With money from Ting, he could make his words sing and keep Charlottesville moving along. Hey, if you want to submit a poem or a lyric or anything, please send it my way. It's a little, um, you know, things aren't always so rosy or happy, but it's nice to have a little bit of humanity here on every single episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, a human who wants you to also stay human and to stay safe and to stay warm. And thank you for listening. Have a great rest of the weekend. I'll be back tomorrow with the week ahead, followed by more Charlottesville Community Engagement.